Welcome, listeners, to the Walking on Water podcast. This is Mark Rice, and across from me, we have Home on the Tremaine. Oh, gosh. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> and we finally figured out what the uh, DC in DC Talk stands for with our other guest host, David Kraft. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, thank you very much, David. I'm glad that you could come show up and share your various thoughts on some of the things that we are going to discuss today. <laughs> because we know that you have thoughts on some of the things that we're going to discuss today. That's why we wanted you here. Imprecatory thoughts, perhaps. Imprecatory. I'll let the listeners decide that. <laughs> Highly agreeable thoughts, perhaps? Yes. Yeah, perhaps. Never one to stir the pot. For people who have taste in music, yes. Of course they're highly agreeable. <laughs> you know how uh, opinions never upset anyone? But uh, here at the Jesus Freak Hideout podcast, we do share opinions that might not be uh, held by the website as a whole or our other staff writers, but we do try to share them insightfully and politely. Uh, we will be getting to that soon. But before we get going, David, do you, would you like to uh, just tell us a little bit about your history with the site and... How long you've been writing and how that came to be? Actually, yeah, I was always a fan of uh, Jesus Freak Hideout. I was reading their stuff back in the early thousands. Um, it's how I found a lot of great, uh, more of the obscure music that wouldn't just pop up on the radio. Um, I might have written for one or two uh, websites that I don't talk about, and uh, I'm pretty much sworn to silence on. But uh, I started writing for JFH in 2013, I believe. So it's been about four years. I sent in a reader review for uh, Falling Up Silver City. So I think I joined about the same time Mark did. Um, yeah, I've been picking up some some good albums, and as uh, my recent reviews reveal, some not-so-great albums <laughs> over the last few years. Well, in your opinion, not-so-great albums. Well, you know, depends. And my opinion's usually right. Yeah, your opinion's usually right. Mm -hmm. yeah, for one, <laughs> for one reason, album you might have you know one hundred thousand people who disagree with you, but right, just because people buy an album doesn't mean it's any good. True. So, moving on. So, anything else, uh, <laughs> David, on your your history with the site, or just you in general? Well, um, just me in general for music. Um, I grew up mostly listening to uh, artists such as Chris Rice and. As Mark knows, um, I was a huge Rich Mullins fan. Um, woo woo! So those, still, those are some of my. You still are. I still am. I still am. Mm -hmm. I'm, I keep. I keep waiting for a revival concert, but um, no, that seems about as likely as a DC talk show these days. <laughs> a resurrection concert in heaven. Too, too soon. Too soon. Um, but yeah, um, in the early thousands, I got pulled into a little bit more. Um, a little bit more of the rock side of music with Falling Up. Mm -hmm. um, they became pretty much my favorite group. And uh, as that, as as you guys know, there, there were so many spinoff projects here and there that just really started to stretch me as I followed what some of the different members were doing. Uh, over time, I came to love groups such as My Epic, Wolves at the Gate, a few others. So um, my music taste is pretty broad. I've been able to grow into almost everything except for country and um, heavy metal. So... Well, if you're listening to Wolves of the Gate, you're uh Now, what type of heavy metal are you talking about? Oh, you know, as I... Because there's heavy metal, there's metalcore, there's death metal, there's... All right, all right. Let's put it this way. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy four today. I, I do not particularly enjoy Demon Hunter. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's about where the limit is for me. Okay. 
I wish we yeah, could... falling up an experimental rock. That's 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 where everything is for me. That's like the middle lane for you. Yeah, it's like cruise it's control. Like, this is perfect. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> well, I wish we could uh, go off on a tangent about Wolves of the Gate right now, uh, but we oh. do have some things. Future episode. To talk about future today. episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> future episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's go off on a tangent for this week's uh, discussion on is it five stars where we revisit some of the five-star rated albums in Jesus Freak Hideout history and figure out whether or not we think it deserves that five-star rating because while it is rated five stars, does it deserve it? Right. That is the question. So uh, for this segment of Is It Five Stars, I had the idea of bringing up the five-star album by The Send, which was just hinted at by David as one of the side projects that stemmed from falling up. Uh, the reason I brought this to the table it was actually because uh, from the website, uh, Christopher Smith uh, brought it to me recently, asking me what I think about it, um, because some things I'd been saying are on the site um, and kind of like what I listened for in terms of uh, the construction of melodies within music. It seemed like the Send album would be up my alley. So I revisited it and you know did so in light of that five-star rating that it has on our website. And uh, I did not come away too positively. This is uh, the part where David's blood starts boiling. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So uh, Chris and I, uh, I, I didn't know what his thoughts were about the album when he brought it to me. Um, I figured he would uh, more or less agree with the, the site's rating. And so when I came back to him, I was like, sorry, man, I, it's not for me. And his reaction was, yeah, kind of the same. So we probably both fall um, if we were to, you know, dilute our thoughts to a star rating, which is essentially what a star rating is anyway. Uh, he and I, would, I think, would both land in like the three to three and a half range. But it seems that we've got at least one person here. I don't know about you, Mark, but one person here who wholeheartedly agrees with the five star rating. So, David, uh, please explain... Uh, your thoughts and why you love this album. Um, in truth, I would be uh, I would be lying if I said this probably was not my favorite album, um, just hands down. Um, now, obviously, how those how that type of favoritism develops is usually over the course of several years, and um, is also closely intertwined with how well um, an album, its message, its lyrics, its melodies, um, how well they connect with your life, depending on whatever season you're in. Um, and for me, I found that Cosmos, which um, I am sad to say is his only release, is the uh, only thing that we've seen from Joe Kisselberg uh, post-Falling Up. Um, it's, it's something that I've revisited several times, and each time I listen to it, it seems to pull up something new, a new theme, a new concept. Um, and after, um, I don't know, maybe about five, six years after its release, um, I really started to... Um, since that the whole concept of the album is really just about the different seasons of a relationship with God. And one of the things I really appreciated is um, it never actually mentions God by name, except for in the uh, passing line, I think in the epiphany where it just says, um, I've seen the face of God inside the setting sun. Um, but other than that, it's um, it, it just entirely avoids spiritual language, but at the same time um, it's pulling in this idea of, how we develop and how we 
how our faith basically evolves over uh, different seasons. So, I mean, couple that with uh, one of my favorite producers, Aaron Sprinkle, um, lending some instruments and vocals to it. Uh, just as well as what I find some mm-hmm. are, are some fantastic melodies. Um, what I really like about this is that you see um, Joe is a f- guitarist for Falling Up. And so as um, as a guitarist, rather than a lead musician, he's really focused on what's going on in the background. And so what you really see, especially in the mid-album section, is a lot of layered melodies. Um, there's a lot of melodies that aren't exactly harmonies, but they really flow well together. And you realize that he's layering a lot of electric guitar, a lot of acoustic guitar, um, and using them to kind of support each other rather than using one as a crutch, using one side, whether that be the acoustic elements or the electric elements. He's not using that as a crutch, but he's instead um, intertwining both of them. And uh, I just find that as well as the really insightful lyrics to be something that um, doesn't seem to really dim as... uh, Oh goodness! I guess it's ten years now, isn't it? <laughs> two thousand yeah, seven. So yeah, for me that album just has a lot of meaning, and uh, I would definitely agree that it is not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but I would also say that it's. I think it would be hard to argue that there's a lot of artists who do something similar or as nuanced as uh, what uh, Joe did with um, with uh, Cosmos. Well, I definitely agree about the production Aaron Sprinkle's work on Cosmos is uniformly excellent as basically all of his work throughout his career has been um, and I will say he also just put out a new EP uh, for the Blank Books project with his brother that is a phenomenal EP so good so good um, it is I'll have to listen to it it is delicious <laughs> good word um, as for the the nuances on Cosmos I uh I'd have to say that I, I wouldn't really know what to speak of. I don't think I've been able to listen to the album enough to point out the sort of intricacies that, intricacies that you've had the time to notice. And the way you describe it does make me want to go back and give it another listen. Uh, but a lot of your compliments of the album seem to fall in like the lyrics and the message, which, as I recall, is also the the main thrust of the review that our old staff writer wrote when she gave it five stars. A lot of that review is just quoting lyrics and praising uh, the lyrics of the album. Um, So I'll switch now to you, Mark. What, what are your thoughts on Cosmos? I mean, I don't have necessarily super deep thoughts on it. I've listened to it a few times over the past couple of years. Um, I got it specifically because of the five star review (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, I've I've bought most of the. Uh, I don't know if most. I don't know if I've gotten most of the five star albums that Jesus Freak Hideout has, but I've a lot of them, because I'm like, well, I need to be familiar with these. So I ha- got the send. I've listened mm-hmm. to it a few times, and I think it is a very solid, okay. <laughs> I mean, my general impression is solid, okay. <laughs> You know, all right, all right. I'm checking re- out. I'm checking out here. <laughs> it's a strong record <laughs> in an okay sense to me because it's. <laughs> I, I don't have as much of a musical ear as uh, you guys since I don't necessarily come from a, a musician's background, um, but in in my experience listening to the album, it was actually I found it kind of monotonous. You know more or less from the start to the finish and you know each song kind of now let me be clear it 
the songs do not sound the same, but they revisit similar sounds. They revisit similar mm-hmm. melodies, similar themes, which in a lot of ways, I actually kind of like that. But it, to me, it makes it really difficult to distinguish like one song or one melody or one thing you know, from another, from song to song. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think that the album itself, it, it does not actually show a lot of versatility. And usually that's a good that's, word that I was. That's it it does not show a lot of versatility, a lot of diversity in its instrumentation, in its vocals. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say Joe does not have, I mean, he doesn't have these fantastic, powerful, um, this fantastic, powerful singing voice. Um, but I think that also makes it a little bit more accessible. But even, like I said, it's one of my favorite albums, if not my absolute favorite. And um, I would agree. There are actually sometimes, if you throw me a line from the song, I can tell you approximately where in the album it is as the album flows, but I actually am not going to be able to tell you the track. Um, and it, <laughs> part of it is because uh, I think so much of it, it even re- seems to revisit a lot of melodies, a lot of harmonies all throughout, which um, if you look at a lot of my reviews, often I'll critique an album and uh, criticize an album off of that factor but i don't know for some, something about the sins just special for me in that way it, it's it's able to it's able to create that atmosphere where there is a lot of sameness without losing focus or becoming monotonous at least for me but um i could definitely see where you're coming from on that mm-hmm. yeah it can be hard to discern whether we're listening to someone who is purposefully uh revisiting like progressions and melodies and lyrical concepts out of a desire to build a concept and to enrich like the same things um, in in the creation of a cohesive album, or if they're just like a one note songwriter who doesn't know how to do anything (laughs) else. Right, right. And I I don't want to accuse Joe of that. Uh, I definitely have not spent enough time listening to Cosmos to be able to say something that bold. Um, But I come from a very uh, interesting listening perspective and critiquing perspective because of how much uh how melody centric i am as a music listener and the way that i critique music and i i tend to hear like i can hear a melody and just like start to think of songs where i've heard those melodies before and artists that construct melodies in certain ways or the types of melodies it's like oh that's a classic like oh i've heard that a million times and so in a lot of my reviews, I've been able to compare Christian artists to, you know, to Bruno Mars or Daft Punk or Jason Derulo or Craig David and even start to go into a lot of music that our readers might not even care about um, because <laughs> I just like when it comes to loving melodies, I find a lot of that in pop music. Um, and so I do listen to like Jesse McCartney or Backstreet Boys. I even to my dismay, found out that the, uh, One Direction has a lot of good stuff. I had to lose a bet to listen to One Direction for the first time, but, oh, but uh, they, they they won me over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the pop artists you hear on the radio actually have some really solid offerings. Um, same's even true with uh, Christian pop artists. I mean, you take a look at some of what Mercy Me and uh, other um, cookie-cutter-like bands have put out in the last few years, and... Um, you know, it's easy to dismiss them based off of what you hear on K-Love or mm-hmm. Air One. Or, uh, but if you actually go and grab some of the less radio-friendly songs off of their off their latest albums, you realize, you know, they actually do have a lot of real talent. Yeah. But, 
It was like I was the I was the only uh, writer on the site who had much of anything very good to say about the new Jeremy Camp album, which I just think is great pop music. And if you want to say I don't like it because I don't like pop music, or I don't want Jeremy Camp to be making pop music, then and you have that right. But as far as that that album goes, and I, I think it, it did it right. And so when I listen to Cosmos, it just it doesn't it doesn't get that for me. Um, his, a lot of his melodies kind of seem to be coming out of that canon of, uh, just recycled melodies that I've heard a thousand times. And that's a huge turnoff for me that makes it hard to enjoy it. So I almost, I almost think I would enjoy it more as an instrumental album. (laughs) Hmm. Um, I think it might be fun to listen to as an instrumental album. Yeah, it probably would be. My thought on that also is that, A, it's unfortunate we never got to see any follow-up project from him, which, um, I mean, the last I think that was reported is that he was pretty close to wrapping up uh, the pre-production and all the writing and everything for his uh, second LP. Which, Interesting. Um, he just, dis- he was one of those guys, he just totally disappeared. Um, yeah. He just dropped off the radar. Uh, and there, there was nothing. I mean, it wasn't until a few years he ago, raised. even Tooth and Nailed. <laughs> yeah <laughs> tooth and nail just kind of faded him out into the background eventually moved him to archived artist and uh, there was nothing after that yeah um and even the guys in falling up who i uh, i hear from occasionally they don't they don't hear too much from him um, <laughs> Joe I think he's, last i heard he's a, a pastor uh yeah i think he's a pastor in oregon some, something like oh, that's that cool. um I, yeah i mean another thing you. about the album is it's <laughs> that that album's like close to 50 minutes though too which for me is actually a sweet spot for albums um i like my albums close to an hour a little bit shy of that but, same here same um, here you know that is that is also stretching um stretching the listenability of almost anything as um i know we're gonna get into nf a little bit later but i mean even looking at his last <laughs> couple of albums he he just hit that out of the park and it just kind of keeps going and going and go. it's like you're listening to the freaking energizer bunny and just just won't stop um Last year, Atlas dropped their album at what, what was it like an hour and a half? Seventy-six minutes. Yeah, it's, it gets pretty crazy sometimes with uh, with what artists do. But at the same time, I'd rather hear a more cohesive project um, that's a little bit more full rather than one that's been trimmed down to fit a nice even ten tracks at three minutes twenty-five seconds each. We now interrupt your regular programming to tell you about this week's sponsor. Uh, once again, our friends over at Indivision Music are promoting their brand's new IVM Family and Friends Sampler Volume 1, an extremely fun and extremely affordable compilation of indie and up-and-coming artists, including Craig's Brother, Young Poet, Mainframe, American Arson, and many more. It's a 20-track CD that you can get now by going to store.indivisionmusic.com. It's only $3 or free with another purchase from the web store, or you can go to music.indivisionmusic.com and get the 24-track digital version for only $2. Last week, I played for you one of my favorite tracks from the CD. That was How We Live by At The Wayside. This week, I'm going to show you another one of my favorite tracks, Traffic by Delta Fleet. I'll be playing a clip now, and then I'll be playing the full song at the end of the episode. So stick around for that. And again, go to music.indivisionmusic.com or store.indivisionmusic.com to pick it up for yourself. Now here's Traffic by Delta Fleet. Like a ship, suck it
So, uh, you already mentioned it. Uh, our next topic is to discuss NF. Now, I, I more want to discuss his very surprising uh, rise in popularity. Uh, right? Is it surprising, though? I think so. <laughs> I, I really do believe so. Um, but we can start out just by talking about the new album in general, uh, Perception, which debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. What are your perceptions on Perception? Whatever. Um, that was bad, Mark. That was bad. Yeah. Hey, what what would, what could we do in life if we couldn't make bad jokes every once in a while? Um, so you you wrote the full length review for Perception. You, yeah, uh, you loved it. You loved it a lot, right? I, I did. I did. I listened to it so many times. Um, I wish I'd listened to it a few less times. Actually, that would would have been more time I could have listened to the sin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, yeah. to be fair, I thought it was too long, but I thought that the parts that were good were actually, I, I liked, you know, I definitely, if it were five songs shorter, if it were 11 songs instead of 16 songs, I would easily put it ahead of therapy session. Hmm. I think there's like four in the four songs in the second half that basically are exactly the same theme. And I'm like, you only need one of those songs. Right. Mm-hmm. I think they were all relationship themed and whatnot. And you know, you cut out three of those songs, a couple of the other more braggadocious songs, and you, I, you have what I think would be a pretty solid, very good record. Three, three star stops. <laughs> I'd have given it four stars if I could have cut out. If if it wow. if it would have been, because I mm. I gave three and a half to therapy session, and it would have easily been better than therapy session. I gave four and a half to mansion. Well, yeah. Check this out. Uh. The main review for Mansion is a five star, right? Yeah, and then that is then correct. The, and then it drops down to three and a half, which David wrote, and then drops down to two. So he he is uh, losing a star and a half each time, which <laughs> means he's looking to release the very first ever half star album. Uh, <laughs> LP given number one, four. We've given one half star rating. Really. Yes, I will let the readers look through our database oh. to find that album, but oh, we have written man. one. Yeah. Oh, I want to find that so Well, bad. I mean, the truth is that I probably would have given Mansion. Um, it was an exciting album when it came out, and so that naturally mm-hmm. gives it a little bit more hype. It was very exciting, yeah. So I, I'm, I probably would not have caved and given it a five star, but that definitely would have been an easy four and a half star, and... Um, even three years later, two years later, it, it still holds up pretty well. Um, I would, I would still stand by a four and a half star rating for Mansion. Um, I, I still stand by my four and a half star rating. That was a, it was an album that I just loved listening to, and I could listen to often, and it was memorable. You know, one of the things that I oftentimes look for in albums that I'm reviewing is. You know, how memorable is it? You know, is this an album that I'm going to listen to and, you know, and, you know, I'll keep coming back to it? Or is it an album that I'll be like, yes, this is good, but it just doesn't really interest me that much. So I'm probably not going to really revisit it again. And it's, it's one of those albums that, you know, I will play and really enjoy each time because it's just so memorable. Yeah, my experience with both uh, Therapy Session and Perception is that like you start out listening to the album, you're like, yeah, this is good. 
you get a few songs in, you're like, this is fine. A few songs later, this is grating. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the truth is that Reception was not a horrible album. It was, in my opinion, just a little bit distasteful. Um, it didn't show any real development for NF as an artist. And I think that it, it was lacking. You mean he still sounds too much like Eminem? Not even that. It's it's more that he it's more that he seems to lose himself. <laughs> Had to make an Eminem. Oh no. <laughs> no! But the truth is, it seems he he seems to lose himself in this persona, which he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. And interestingly enough, I think it detracts from Mansion and from the the better points of Therapy Session, as with with each subsequent release. And I mean, I say this as someone who I really loved his uh, independent or. Is signed uh, signed EP self titled. Uh, I thought that was a really fantastic little project. Where at the end of Perception, you're basically listening for like an hour to this basically this white rapper just scream at you, and right. all he's doing is bragging, but also drawing dragging out all of his personal baggage, which you know is there's definitely a place for. And I mean, I think he really addressed that in therapy session, is saying that this is his therapy for him. This is how he processes and deals and shares his emotions and is able to identify with and connect to listeners, which um, is, is huge. That is a, that is a big deal. I know a lot of young people, a lot of teenagers um, in the church and outside of the church who have been impacted by NF's music. I mean, it's, it, it, it gives them something to identify with that that's able to take the negative and sort of turn it to a positive, but not in this unrealistic way that you see with so many other CCM artists where Oh, life's horrible, but God's great, so it's all smiles, and there's no mm-hmm. real challenge, there's no real struggle, whereas NF is really clearly having to work out his salvation. He's having to drag through the grit of life. Uh, I think that that's really impactful. What I, again, looking at that, I mean, you definitely had this idea of hope in the midst of suffering or in the midst of failures at the conclusion of Mansion. Um, at the end of, by the, by the time you reach uh, the end of therapy session, um, you have that fantastic song he did with Jonathan Tuing, but th- that's definitely not a uh, hopeful song by any definition. And at the end of Perception, all you're really dealing with is broken relationships and brag tracks. I mean, all this all this braggadocious material is... There There were definitely a few gems on it, but after a while, it's, you're like, why am I even listening to this? What's the purpose of this? He already did the exact same thing um, in his previous two albums in a much more eloquent manner. And in a much more... Well, I, I almost said God-centered. At least God was there, which he's kind of not anymore. And artists are allowed to do that. It's fine. There's no rules. But there's something really interesting happening with NF on the charts right now. Mm. So I want to segue into that. I'll give a brief introduction. I'm, I'm a bit of a nut for the Billboard charts. I, I keep up with things every week. Uh, read the news on Mondays and look at a bunch of the charts on Tuesdays when they refresh with a new week's worth of information. Uh, so there was two albums this year that were surprise number ones that people didn't really see coming. Uh, th- the first one was Science Fiction by Brand New, which was their surprise release. They hadn't put out anything in eight years. The fans just like ate it up and it sold a little over 50,000 copies. Uh, then you fast forward two months and you get Perception by NF, this number one debut. Some people are referring to him as a Christian rapper, but most of them are just calling him a rapper. And he, So he sells a similar amount, uh, a little over 50,000. 
What's interesting about the, those numbers is that if you go back a few years, there's not a guarantee that 50,000 album sales would even get you in the top 10. And most weeks, uh, those numbers would not get you number one by any means. Um, the, the, the weird thing about the Billboard charts is that it, it's just comparative for that week. What what released that week? And Brand New and NF both really lucked out in having a, a week with very little competition to get in their way from landing that number one spot. Uh, the main difference in those two surprise number ones is how their sales sustained. Uh, Brand New, if I remember correctly, became the very first artist ever to debut at number one on the charts and then two weeks later completely disappear from the Billboard 200. The complete opposite has been happening with NF, who uh, every week now has been able to sustain his sales somewhere in the top 50 of the Billboard 200, which is very good. Lauren Daigle uh, has had really great sustained placement on the Billboard 200. Uh, we see it uh, sometimes with Toby Mac and, and maybe like Mercy Me and Third Day might get there. But for the most part, a lot of Christian artists, if they get on the Billboard 200 at all, will fall off pretty quickly. And such has not been the case for NF. And a lot of that power uh, is coming from the growing popularity of his single Let You Down. Um, what do you two think of about that song? I thought it was pretty solid. That was one of my you know, favorite songs from the first half of the record. It's it's ex- super accessible. And the thing that he's talking about, which is, you know, uh, the relationship with his dad, his absent dad, a lot of people relate to. And, yeah. you know, that also, it just digs so much into what makes NF so popular is that he is, you know, so relatable. He, I mean, not everybody has an absent father. But, you know, everybody can sympathize and relate to... Wanting to make your parents proud. Yeah, wanting to make your parents proud, yeah. You know, I, I watched, a I think, a YouTube review from a artist named Ruslan, I believe is, was his name. And he made a point that, you know, the people that can really get into NF's music are introverts. And as an introvert myself, I can <laughs> definitely... I can definitely see that because... You know, so many, so much, of the, so many things that he is addressing are things that, you know, introverts, they don't necessarily like talking to people about. So it's nice to hear somebody talking about that stuff. Uh, David? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that Let You Down was probably the best track on the album. Um, obviously, from a, a radio single standpoint, um, something that definitely has a lot of crossover appeal uh, and when i say crossover i'm not just talking about christian versus mainstream uh airplay but even across genres right and uh it was the one song in my review that i mentioned was actually a really solid song um i think it had a really fantastic message <laughs> something that was relatable yeah i i think i think the truth is that people we as people not just christians but i think sometimes especially christians um really struggle for relevancy and um, while this is not NF's best work, and I think that most most people who are musically inclined to actually listen to his whole discography would probably agree that Perception is not his best work, um, he's been laying a lot of groundwork for um, this growth. I mean, he's been featured by Toby Mac, 
that it was really he was really well primed for a big push towards this popularity towards starting to move a lot of albums i think he's someone who is identifiable or who's someone who's relatable uh, we can identify with as a real human as somebody who struggles and i mean his his sales i, I it would be really interesting to see uh see the breakdown of the charts based off of um his uh how 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 many how many of his um how many units are moving through Christian bookstores or Christian uh, music uh, retailers down any whether it's downloads or whatever it'd be really interesting to see what the disparity is between the mainstream market and the Christian market there. Yeah, so let you down. The single is currently charting on the Hot 100, which brings together all the different charts. So the more places that you are, the more separate charts that you are on the better placement you will have on the Hot 100. Um, so like right. you said earlier, when you have crossover between different genres, that really boosts you. And so the fact that this is both a rap song and a pop song um, is really working to NF's benefit right now. And when I first saw that Let You Down was on the Hot 100, uh, I think the first time I saw it about a month and a half ago, it was in the 80s or 90s, I, I was shocked. And I figured that part of the reason it was there was that it was also getting Christian airplay. And, you know, sometimes, like, Kirk Franklin will be on... <laughs> well, no, really. Uh, sometimes Kirk Frank- Franklin gets into that end part of the Hot 100. Like, he'll chart, like, it in does. the 90s because he's on, like, gospel radio and Christian radio. He's present enough uh, to uh, get that boost. And so I figure that's basically the same thing with NF. He had a good week. He'll probably fall off. Well, I've done my research now, and really, really weird. Uh, Let You Down debuted at number... Well, at least it it peaked at number one on the Hot Christian Songs chart. And then the next week, it fell to number six. The following week, it sustained at number six. And then it disappeared. And for a song that was holding at number six, for it to completely disappear from a chart that goes all the way to number 50 seems curious it seems like someone in management said hey we don't want this to be considered a christian song this needs to go so i was thinking that let you down's presence on the hot 100 was being benefited from christian airplay and it turns out it's actually doing that well devoid of christian airplay and so i've been following and almost every single week let you down has been making a huge jump up the charts uh it went into the 70s and the 60s it stayed at i think 63 for a week but then his music video dropped which is actually a really good music video and it got a boost up to 52 so it's about to hit the top 50 of the hot 100 meanwhile charting well uh and still rising on the rap songs chart on the mainstream top 40 chart on the streaming chart what this all looks like to me is a repeat of what we saw two years ago with 21 Pilots, where this grassroots band that had a very loyal fan base and spent years building up this fan base had an album that just, bam, surprise, released at number one. You know, we saw that with Blurry Face, uh, a number one debut in, I think, April 2015. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, some time goes by, uh, still nothing a big deal. Uh, they had the number one album, but then it's really fallen off. However, then you have Stressed Out. And it's funny, Mark, especially with what you said about uh, NF being like music for introverted people, because that's exactly the same thing. Like you have you know, Stressed Out 
being this like highly introverted lead vocalist who was rapping the verses and then got this killer pop chorus with this very relatable, uh, personable introversion and singing about like family issues. And this song starts to slowly climb the charts. And you know, week by week, more people are hearing it. It's getting more airplay. More people who had no idea who 21 Pilots were the previous week are now singing along to the song on the radio. And it's building and building and building. And it ends up you know, peaking in the top five of the Hot 100. And I'm beginning to think that that could also be possible of NF. You know, we are not seeing any signs of decline yet with the single Let You Down. And I was talking about this yesterday. Uh, in case this has been misinformation, I'm not going to cite who my source is. But I, I presented this theory to someone else in the music business. And apparently, NF and 21 Pilots have the same manager. <laughs> Interesting. And so what I saw wasn't just a funny little, this seems kind of similar, but it's actually the same manager who's pulling the exact same move, playing the game the exact same way in order to bring success to another one of his clients. And I think that is astounding and wildly fascinating. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I mean... That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that uh, in terms of the relationship with 21 Pilots, but um, I I think that there's definitely a correlation there, whether it's the same manager or not. I think it's definitely the same same effect from at least a similar formula that we're seeing. Uh, And I mean, you know, again, I know I was harsh on NF with uh, his release of Perception, but I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely happy for him. Like, I really want his music to get out into the world. I think he has some fantastic stuff. Um, again, I think I've made it clear throughout the course of this conversation. I'm not wanting to see a uh, sunshine and roses. Everything is happy. Um, smile. Jesus loves you. That's that's not. <laughs> he wouldn't be being real then. Yeah, he wouldn't be being real. <laughs> real. <laughs> real. Oh man, that that tagline's getting so overused at this point. <laughs> For real, um, man. For real. But I think I think if he can bring a little bit more of, I think if he can tone down some of the arrogance. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's genuine or not. I don't know how honest his music is. I don't know how real it is. I mean, none of us really know him. We don't know how accurate of a representation his music is of his real life. But um, I, I would really appreciate him toning down the arrogance and the brag tracks and right. seeing him point a little bit more towards Christ. I think I, I think I'd probably be speaking on behalf of all of Jesus Freak Hideout to say that we would rather have people make good music and not mention God, then people make bad music <laughs> that is all about God. <laughs> so. You know, I mean, I, I wish NF all the best. Um, quite frankly, I, I hope his next album just uh, picks up a couple extra stars over at our, over at yeah. our site. Yeah. Get back up to the three and a half instead of down to the half. <laughs> or back really up what to we the all five. Just need is a, maybe, maybe, we'll see. Yeah, I'm generally with you that like I can be extremely cynical, but all in all, like I want to see him successful, um, especially compared to some of the artists he's going against. Uh, you know, he even though I'm not the hugest fan of Perception, um, I do love Let You Down, and I do like I own Therapy Session, and I would, I would love to see him uh, be successful. So I, I'm rooting for Let You Down. Um, when I, you know, check the Hot 100 on Tuesday, there's there's anticipation, excitement to see if the song's gone up and how far it's gone up. So, you know, here's hoping. Yeah. Here's hoping. 
So I think I think we've uh, exhausted that topic. Um, just just a bit. <laughs> I guess that brings us to our last segment, right, Mark? Let's talk about it. So, what did you think about my selection of an album for you to listen to this week, Mister right. Tremaine? Mark forced me to listen for the very first time to "Glow" by Delirious, and I thought it was fine. Um, let me. Let me pull up the track list real quick. Uh, so why did you have me listen to this album? Well, me personally, I mean, I told you a little bit about kind of my history with the album, my history with Delirious, but Delirious is one of my all-time favorite bands. And in my opinion, you know, they were kind of the first worship band that really made successful, creative worship music. And... Mm-hmm. You know, they wrote a lot of really famous, you know, worship songs in the 90s. They had their Cutting Edge albums. But then they released the album uh, King of Fools, 1997, King of Fools. And it was the first, really the first album of its kind that was explicitly worship, but also really creative. You know, it was rocky. It was, you know, poppy. And... Um, then they came back with Glow, and it's definitely a very different flavor than uh, King of Fools, which was kind of more regular songs. Glow was more of a concept album, and it, it was a really progressive album, you know, long songs. I love progressive music. I'm a big fan of long songs. It's, it's more of a niche album, though, and it's one of those albums that I know that people either really like it or they think it's, yeah, yeah, it's okay, or they just get bored with it. So I didn't know which category you would fall in. I was hoping that you would fall in the, ah, oh, man, I love this, but, you know, I'm not surprised that, you know, you really didn't. Uh, first of all, it's pronounced niche. Um, <laughs> David, do you have any thoughts on this album? Have you heard it? Uh, I I actually cannot say I have heard it. Um, I've I've never listened to a Delirious album all the way through. Um, <laughs> they oh. showed up on so many compilation albums throughout the nineties and right. early thousands. Wow, um, you know, wow. I felt like I had a pretty good taste of them, um, but uh, yeah, uh, if, I'm with if, you there. If you love it that much, Mark, I'll 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 give it a listen. Um, yeah, so I I listened to yeah. it for the first time ever. And all from 75 the very, minutes of it. Yeah. <laughs> from the very look of it, it's obviously a concept album. And it has Glow in the Dark, part one, part two, part three, part four. One of my favorite surprises about listening to the album was that those weren't just repetitions of like the same theme or the same song or the same instrumental track. Um, so. What they, I really they, were, loved. they were literally continuations of the of the preceding song. track, yeah. right? Which I I was expecting just from the outset that those would be all the same song. Like the glow in the dark part one, part two, part three, part four would all be very similar to one another. Um, and so I really loved that the opening track, "God, You Are My God," continues for an extra three and a half minutes in glow in the dark part one. Um, I almost like the glow in the dark part one more than I like "God, You Are My God." And I also, I like long songs. I, I enjoy when a band lets a song breathe and lets a theme continue and builds upon it in interesting ways. 
my hands down my favorite part of the album is investigate my favorite song going into glow in the dark part two and just letting my favorite song simmer for that much longer and, and grow and expand uh, that's just really great and throughout the album it's it's very continuous uh very seamless from track to track which i really enjoyed i think the ending of what have i done if i remember correctly says like my glorious really quick for just a second before going into the song my glorious and little things like that um really please the concept album lover in me but while i think the album does work well as a conceptual whole the smaller parts i'm not a huge fan of and there just weren't many songs for me to latch onto. And there were some songs like I thought they were good for a little bit, and then the chorus lost me. Um, as a whole, as a 17-year-old album, the production quality, you know, it's hard for me. I, I very much love, <laughs> you know, a good-sounding album, and this definitely sounds aged. You know, there's plenty of albums from the 80s and 90s that sound better than this. The, uh, the style that they were going for, though, is so peculiar. You know, I went back and read John's four-star review of this album, and he talks about how it's this hybrid worship and rock album, and that's so seriously, like, dichotomous on the album, where it's like you have this very typical worship melody or chorus or lyric with these crazy guitar parts beneath, and it's really cool, and I, I like a lot of the music throughout the album, and there's a lot of stuff where they're doing weird riffs instead of your typical chord progressions, except those weird riffs are happening beneath what I would consider to be just your like typical worship fair or even sometimes cheesy uh, worship melodies. And that dichotomy just didn't really work for me at times. And the cool music wasn't able to save lackluster songs uh, for, for my taste, at least. It just seems like a cool experiment that uh, would be great for some people, um, but doesn't just doesn't fly for me. It doesn't function well enough as a rock album uh, to be a rock album. And I, like, I wouldn't want, I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to, like, use those songs in a worship setting or, you know, lead worship with them. All right. There, there's my spoken review. I should write that down and publish it. I really do appreciate it because, I mean, that's, you know, I agree with that. You know, you are, that is a very fair assessment. I think I'm a little bit more forgiving and there's a little bit more of a, a nostalgic connection with me there. Um, you know, kind of like with David and The Send. I'm just curious if uh, they're at, they actually honor the question mark we're on stage. Like the uh, scene from Anchorman where they accidentally put the question mark in the teleprompter. And he's reading like, I'm Ron Burgundy? Like, I wonder if they go up on stage like, Hello, everybody. We're delirious. <laughs> delirious? Um, oh, well, I don't even know how they would have tried to do it when they didn't have the five or when they had the five as a part of their name. They used to be Deliri five question mark. We're Deliria oh, five? Yeah, I, I remember that. Oh, man. Delir- <laughs> that's We're Deliria five? That's, that's almost as bad as seven eventh time down. That's, uh, that's like trying to make up a... In their defense, the reason that they did that is because the S key on their keyboard was broken. This is true story. So they used a five. Well, I mean, I totally believe that because Deliria five question mark sounds like an attempt at making like a, a Gmail password. 
<laughs> okay, so now it's time to switch, and I get to assign. Okay, yeah. What album. do you got for me? What you, I'm excited. So I hit me, hit me with your best shot. I I haven't even asked you to know if you haven't heard this album. I'm just assuming that it's obscure enough that you haven't. Um, so oh, my assignment. Don't assume. Do not assume. My assignment for you is "The Bell and the Hammer" by This Day and End Age. Awesome. I have not heard it. Um, so they. I don't think they would have been typically classified as a Christian band, uh, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's definitely there. Um, I think it's probably because not every member was Christian, but the the lead singer went off to form like a Christian side project. I think he's like a youth minister now. So that album, I, there's like a bunch of like C.S. Lewis's references in there. The Bell and the Hammer is even uh, like the the title is yeah like, from the uh, magician's nephew. Mm-hmm. The book, The Magician's Nephew. Uh, so the album, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. I actually don't think it's great all the way through. I do think it falls off toward the end. But other than that, I'll just I'll just wait to hear uh, your thoughts. Um, well, you say the words C.S. Lewis and music together in the same sentence, and I'm all over it. So I'm excited to hear this. Yeah, you're a Heath McNeese fan. <laughs> oh, yes. Man. Oh man. How many How many albums has that guy released this year? <laughs> oh, I think he's only released like three. Ah, uh, slow year. <laughs> All right. So remind me, uh, say the name again. The Bell and the Hammer by This Day and Age. This Day and Age. Highly recommended by Chase Tremaine. Awesome. Well, I will eagerly look forward to that. And uh, David, you can feel free to listen to it as well. <laughs> I, I absolutely will. I absolutely will. Can I toss out an album for you guys to listen to? Sure, why not? Oh, yeah. All right. Go for it. All right, this one's kind of obscure. Um, they were a band. I don't. I don't know how they classified themselves. It was a little bit before they got into the whole uh, Christian artist versus Christians in a band. It's an EP <laughs> called "The Love Antidote" by a band called Brightwood. Okay, I think I've heard of them. One word. One word. Brightwood. I think I exposed you to them. Very possibly, Mark. Cool. So I saw. I just looked them up on Spotify. They've got a few albums. Is Love Antidote EP your favorite release by them? Um, yes. Tentatively, yes. Love Ant- yes. <laughs> yeah, Love Antidote. It's it's easy to digest and it's it's pretty diverse. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thank you. Until next time. This is the Jesus Freak Height. Jesus. <laughs> Switch. <laughs> Until next time, this is the Jesus Freak Hideout podcast, and it is pronounced Dibiase. The Jesus Freak Hideout podcast is hosted by Mark Rice and me, Chase Tremaine. Production editing and music is also by me. The podcast is executive produced by John Dibiase and Christopher Smith. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, please send an email to Christopher at JesusFreakHideout.com. Thanks again to this week's sponsor, Indivision Music, and don't forget to check out the IVM Family and Friends Sampler Volume 1 at store.indivisionmusic.com. Now here's a full track from the sampler, Traffic by Delta Fleet.
side We 